Hello and welcome to the Doxology Podcast. I am Jens Nelson. And I am Lucas Stock. This is a podcast dedicated to journeying together on the road that is the Christian faith. Join us as we discuss and investigate theology and the Christian life as we strive for unity amongst our diversity as members of Christ's church. So today we are talking about something that is so near, so dear to our hearts. Uh, If you know Lucas and I, if you follow us on social media, you will know that we love books. Uh, In the past, we've had episodes about books. We've had, let's see if I can even recall, um, you know, we we talked about like five books every Christian should read Uh, for a while on each Tuesday episode. We had a little segment where we were talking about what are we reading at this very moment? Uh, It's come up, I'm sure, a thousand times, but, but Lucas and I really enjoy books. And so we thought we'd have a conversation about uh, how to read or um, what types of things to read, um, how we spend our time when we read. Uh, it's not, it's not like we're teaching you how to, how to read and write. And, you know, it's not like we're in elementary school here. That's not what we mean by how to read, but uh, how to, how to read well, how to read widely, how to uh, read charitably, I think, I don't know. Is there anything else you want to add into this introduction here? I feel like you might have a better explanation for what we're trying to tackle today. No, not really. I think I think that was better said than than I could say. Um, I think it's super important with all the things vying for our attention, and especially in the age and the society and the place that we live in so much is so accessible um, in terms of books, in terms of things to read or or audiobooks to listen to, in terms of classical books, new books, you know. uh, That's interesting that we should get into before we forget audiobooks. I want to bring something up on that topic before this episode ends. Okay, sweet. Yeah. Um, And I think that you may be someone who reads every day. You may be someone who occasionally reads the news, but that's about it, you know, or somewhere in between, I'm sure. And regardless of all of that, I think that hopefully, you know, I mean, hopefully, I mean, I'm sure it's not surprising that I would say this, and hopefully you agree with me. Um, Like reading is important. Reading offers a window into a million different worlds, whether we're talking about stories and literature, or whether we're talking about new information about things that you're unfamiliar with or didn't know or new perspectives or all the above, whatever. But it's not necessarily as simple as just saying, oh, reading is good. I'm going to go pick up a book, Um, which is kind of what I was thinking when I was thinking about having a conversation like this is, is, well, how do you know where to start? How do you know what kind of book to read? What's a good book on this topic? Or what's a book I should stay away from? Or what are some criteria or how should I even think about my time and wanting to learn or read more, but not knowing where to start or having a really high goal of reading, you know, a hundred books this year and it's already the middle of March and I've read one, you know, like, like these kinds of things are, are in some ways I've, I've kind of felt all of that before in my life at different times. Um, oh, I'm a student, so I'm reading a lot for school, but I don't have a lot of time. Or maybe I have time after class to read, but my brain's kind of, you know, worded out after reading for all my, you know, whatever, like, um, 
whatever it might be, it's, I think it's safe to say it's, it's really easy to be like, books are good, read books. And it's also not that simple at the same time. And I was hoping to kind of, from our own perspective and limited experiences as people who have been in school and do like to read and like to read, you know, a variety of, of, like to read on a variety of topics, but, but certainly like to read educate, you know, if, if you'd call it educationally or, or I don't know the best, the best term for it when it went, you know, things like, um, different theological doctrines or biographies of, of people or debates or those kinds of books to kind of share, you know, maybe our own, what we've learned through experience, what we maybe do or how we evaluate if a book is worth our time. And maybe again, whether you're someone who reads every day or never reads, maybe you can, you know, take away some kind of benefit that will help you to uh, invest your reading time in a way that is more fulfilling and edifying than it is right now. Because I know for me, that's something I've experienced even just in the last, I don't know, few months is just sort of rediscovering the, I don't know, like the joy and the benefit of reading on my own time in a way that I'm just feel like I'm getting something out of my time as opposed to just sinking it into a TV show that I've seen 10 times already. Like I am very prone to do. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll kind of see maybe this ends up being useless to you or um, you know, maybe you're, wiser and and more experienced than us and have already thought of all these things in in which case that's great maybe you can share with with us on social media so other people can see as well and we can learn um but i do think it's a a helpful thing to think about and it's something that i have been thinking about which is kind of where the idea for this came from um and i think it would be i think it will be i should say a good conversation that i'm excited to have so we'll kind of see where it goes um, cause there's so much to talk about. Like, like yeah. <laughs> we hadn't even, we hadn't even planned to talk about audiobooks. but how can you talk of, you know, in, in today's day and age, uh, you know, how can you talk about like, or you can't talk about books in like sort of an abstract sense without audiobooks as well, because that's just, you know, they're right there. Like <laughs> in almost infinite audiobooks are yeah. just in our pocket at any given time. Um, and you know, I, yeah. So, so before I get too blathery, I don't know where we kind of want to go first. Um, well, I think the beginning is a pretty good place to go. Um, and what I mean by that is first and foremost, I think it's worth acknowledging the immense privilege that we have to be able to, to read. I mean, on the one hand, we live in a country where we have access to really good education, where we're taught at a young age, whether it's by parents or teachers or caretakers, how to read. Like we have the ability to write, to read, to to remember, to recall, to look back into history. Um, I know it's something that I take for granted pretty often. But when you look back down the tunnel of time, a lot of people were not educated. They didn't have the ability to read and write. You know, they could speak, they could articulate themselves. But uh, to have this ability, it was often, you know, the, the the nobles, the nobility. You know, we talked about Lady uh, Lady Jane Grey the other day, and you mentioned how 
oftentimes the number of languages a post a, a person spoke was probably evidence of how well educated they were in the Middle Ages. So if you're speaking five languages, it means you're really well off. You got a really good education. Um, even today, most most people do not speak five languages. I'm sure back then it was the same the same thing. But uh, the point is, we we have this ability to read. And we ought to steward that ability well. Like I said, we shouldn't take it for granted. Um, you know, when I when I recall my own life, my own motivations for reading, uh, I genuinely did not like reading until I was a senior in high school. Um, I I was taking I think maybe I've said this before on on the podcast, but I was taking two study halls. Shows how much you know senioritis I had my senior year. I was taking two study halls. Um, but I also was a peer tutor. So I, I was tutoring a freshman. Um, but there would be periods of time where that person would um, come out of peer tutoring and, and just, I don't know all the parameters that like allowed for someone to be in it. But there were periods of time where I did not have someone to tutor. And so there were days that I basically had three study halls. So I'd usually get homework done in the first one. And so it's like, what am I supposed to do in the second two? And at, at this time, you know, we couldn't have phones in school. We could have iPods, but I had an iPod classic. So it's not like I could even play games. And so I remember going to the library and I knew the librarian because she went to church with me. And I was like, hey, like, what are some good books to start reading? I've, I don't, I've never really read unless I have to for school. And she recommended some H.G. Wells books. So like War of the Worlds, Invisible Man, Time Machine, um, and I thought they were pretty cool. So like that, that was like my intro to reading and it, like for fun, not just because I was assigned where the red fern grows or the great Gatsby or something. Um, and as far as theology books go, I was first introduced to those um, my freshman year of college. So not long after graduating high school, uh, I started reading some, some John Piper books, of course, some Francis Chan, some David Platt, you know, all the almost cliche theology books now um but that's that was like my introduction and it wasn't until going to moody that i really started to broaden my horizons both theologically but also just in the amount that i was reading the scope uh of what i was reading and um you know without giving my entire life history i just i it's something that personally i've taken for granted my ability to read and it's something that now that i'm older and obviously much more wiser um, you know, I want to steward that well. And so, um, as you kind of mentioned, you know, setting, setting reading goals or, or limits or, um, or whatever, you know, whether it's a new year's resolution or whether it's just something that you want to do to help give you a motivation to keep reading. Uh, cause I know in the past when I haven't had something to kind of prompt me, like, like a list of like, so for example, this year I set my limit of 50 books it's a pretty lofty goal. I don't know that I'll achieve it, um, but I figured if I set the bar high, I might I might be able to you know get through those books. Um, and so you know I this is a very deep and you know com complex conversation because um, again for me personally and everybody might be different. There have been times in the past where because I set a goal for myself. Sometimes I'll just speed read through a book just for the sake of like reading that book to get it done, to check it off my list and say, okay, there was book 27 of 30. Now I can go on to the next one and then speed read through that. Um, as opposed to reading for, you know, edification, reading for, um, 
knowledge sake, not just for the sake of saying I read this many books in a year. And maybe everybody's differently. Maybe, maybe, or I should say, maybe everybody reads differently. Everybody has different motivations for why they read. Um, but at the end of the day, um, this gift, this ability that we've been giving or that we've been given, we ought to use it uh, in such a way that does bring edification, that does build us up and allows us to build up others. Um, it ought to fill our minds, uh, fill our hearts, fill our our souls even with longings for um, deeper and bigger and wider things. And um, personally, I'm somebody who at times has even become burnt out on theology books, um, especially like long and big and, and complex conversations. Like I, I bought the new um, John Piper book on Providence. I know you were kind of giving me a hard time, but um, it's like an 800 page book. It is, it's thick. It's at times kind of dense, but I mean, John Piper is a little different because he's writing to a more broad audience, but um, it can be difficult if, you, if you're not used to that sort of thing to try to even start reading a book that long. Um, so for me, somebody who uh, in some ways I felt like I've missed out because I started reading so late in life. So like wanting to read and catch up and like have all these things read. Um, so more recently, I've this year, especially so far, I've, I've found myself reading more fiction and this might be an interesting part of this conversation as we go. So I don't want to take up, you know, if you have more that you want to say, you can add it here in a second. But um, I've tried to strike this balance between theology and fiction um, and, and, and not necessarily a one to one. But, you know, for every three theology books, throw in a fiction book. Um, and I think that there's value in that. I don't I don't think I think it'd be kind of I don't know unfair to say that someone only ever has to read theology that, you know, to read anything else would be wrong. Um, I certainly think that we ought to be careful with what we read. We shouldn't just go to the, you know, paperback section and get soft core, you know, romance novels like that. I don't think that's very edifying, but um, there's something to be said for, I mean, C.S. Lewis, um, Tolkien, like these people were Christians who wrote fantasy and fiction. Um, and I think there's value in uh, telling a story, a very human and real story, um, but using motifs, using metaphors, using images that conjure up um, different feelings than nonfiction can capture. Um, you know, I think of when I've read books like, you know, The Screwtape Letters, or um, recently I read um, uh, Out of the Silent Planet. So, you know, two books that are works of fiction by C.S. Lewis, but both of them have impacted my theological thinking. So, you know, even fiction can be good. It can be beneficial. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I, my wife and I often go to a, a local thrift store and I look through like the books there. They had in their religion and spirituality section. There was a book recently that said the theology of the Simpsons. And I almost got it. That sounded super interesting. Um, I, I didn't. But, you know, that's the sort of thing like it, it, I'm sure it's a nonfiction book, but it, it's exploring something as worldly, if you want to say, as The Simpsons, a TV show that's been running since the 80s. Um, you know, it, depending on what kind of childhood you had, you probably weren't able to watch it because Bart was such a little rebel and your parents didn't want you to become like Bart. Um, but is there something to be said about even theology within the world of The Simpsons? Um, so how do we think about even the the fiction books that we read? Um, how do we approach um you know, the vast libraries that exist. I mean, I don't know. I don't know where you want to take it from here, but that's that's sort of like some of the ideas that I had, some of the thoughts that I had. 
uh, as we prepared for this conversation of how to read and what to read and and why to read even. Yeah, something you said earlier um, about balance, I think, is really helpful. The just there is so much that the that you know is in the world. So much has been so much ink has been put to paper and so many different ways of expressing whether it's emotion or whether it's ideas in uh, in writing that humans have have come up with in different forms of 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 poetry and prose and and fiction and systematic you know treatises and and everything in between um, it it is it, it behooves you to, to read widely in the sense of um, a, a broad variety of reading as well as reading deeply in the sense of, like you said, not just speed reading through something to get through it as quick as possible, but to digest it and to absorb it and to draw lessons and insights from, from whatever you're reading, whether it's, um, something you're familiar with or unfamiliar with or something that's more technical or something that's more emotional or, or, or something, you know, it's something in between those, those different extremes or whatever. And that same idea of balance is, is kind of, I think what CS Lewis is getting at in this quote that has struck me or stuck with me ever since I first read it and was sort of the motivation for my thoughts on, on just, this topic in general and, and has definitely impacted the way I approach reading and approach books. Um, he says, it is a good rule after reading a new book, never to allow yourself another new one till you have read an old one in between. And he says that CS Lewis does in the, in, in a conversation about how important it is to be aware of the great body of Christian thought, as he calls it. He, he gives this really great metaphor where it's like, if you came into a conversation or, or if there was a conversation that started at like eight o'clock, like somebody's chilling in their, you know, smoking room or whatever, whatever people did in England in the thirties or whatever. Um, and they had been talking for a few hours and then you come in at 11 o'clock, you're going to be part of the conversation, but you're going to miss something something's not filled in because you missed the first three hours of that conversation. And he talks about like someone might make a comment that seems pretty like innocuous or mundane and everybody laughs because it's referencing something that happened two hours earlier in the conversation that you missed. And, and that metaphor, that, that picture is what happens if, if you're just reading new books, if you're just reading books that are written this year, you know, you're missing all the books that came out last year and a hundred years ago and a thousand years ago and 2000 years ago. And to go back to the privileges we have in, in our current generation and, and the area of the world we live in, not only are many, many people more so than in the past capable of reading, but 
in the English language, we have act like there, there's no excuse, you know, like, like there, <laughs> it's very, very rare that there's a primary source that I'm not able to find an English translation of either online or in a bookstore yeah. or in a library of books that are thousands of years old and from all over the world. You know, like I can read Confucius and Plato and Justin Martyr and Thomas Aquinas and Luther and it's not only can it be done, but it's not difficult to find. And really it's just, there's, there's very little obstacles and barriers to us joining this conversation from the beginning, whether we're talking about the, the, the conversation or a conversation within theology, um, we can go all, we, we can trace it all the way back to the beginning. You know, there, there are people doing work that can kind of, direct us to where to look and then we can go find those earlier conversation partners that um, you know have been dead for hundreds or thousands of years but we can still access what they have to say and the insights that they have to offer and i think that's that's the 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 value and the beauty of what c.s lewis is getting at where don't just read new books read old books and i like what he says like it's very practical it's very like down to earth like i feel like he usually is um is that from the introduction to that on the incarnation? Is that where you're pulling that from? That is. I don't know if okay. he said it anywhere else, but that's where I read it. And and that's where I'm getting it from. And cool. Um, you know, you want to know about the incarnation? I, you can find hundreds of books that are well worth your time that have come out in the last, you know, 10 years. Um, before you read one of those, read on the incarnation, then read one and then find a book in there that the new book references that was written in the 600s and go read that, you know? And it's just like, it, it's such a, like the word balance, like you said, comes to mind where it, balance in the sense of like a balanced diet, you know, um, not in the sense where you're like avoiding two extremes, but in the sense balance of you're getting everything you need to, to be healthy. Quote, and you're not just eating one thing. You're not yeah, only yeah. ever eating pizza and nothing right. else is ever in your diet. Right. And you're able to, like we talked about reading time being edifying, you're able to do that, or, or it, that's able to happen in a way that is, that is really nurturing uh, the mind and the intellect, as well as the soul in whether we're talking about learning about and pondering and meditating on the things of God or we're talking about enjoying the beauty in the world through poetry, or we're talking about, you know, probing the questions of what it means to be human through a particularly insightful play or something. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter. It, it, you know, all of these things together contribute to our edification and growth and um, maturity in all aspects of our being, I think. It's not just an academic exercise. There are books that are academic exercises, and those are important for academic exercises, just like there are books that are beautiful meditations on what it means to love, and those are important for what they are. And if you're only reading, you know, <laughs> one type of book from one time period in one place, you're just missing out on... I mean, more than any one person could can access in one lifetime, that's for sure. Um, but certainly you're missing out on things that can really contribute to benefiting and and growing you. 
Um, and that's something that I think has really been a really helpful and positive, uh, you know, shift in my own sort of thinking is just like, you know, I I don't think I necessarily do a one-to-one old book, new book kind of ratio. Like C.S. Lewis is like, I ideally saying to shoot for so much as I am conscious ever since I read that I'm conscious about what I'm reading, not just being, you know, recent people talking about stuff but i'm actually like also reading that stuff you know i i think it was c.s lewis as well i i don't remember where this comes from but i i i I think if i recall correctly it was him at some point he says something like if you want to know about plato don't read a book about plato read plato right (laughs) you don't need to learn classical greek to do that like we were kind of talking about a minute ago which is amazing you know like thanks be to god you know like you if you wanted to you can work your way through the republic of plato without learning greek or taking a class you know um or 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 getting a a degree in in classics or whatever (laughs) um you can probably go to barnes and noble and pick up a 20 dollar copy of it which is ridiculous (laughs) like it's insane it's it's crazy um and it really is something that I think we, of course, take for granted because we probably have never lived, you know, when I say we, I mean, people living in this country, in this time, in this era, have probably never lived any time of their life without having all that access. Um, but it's it can be easily squandered, I think, not on purpose, but just by not thinking about it which is where this conversation comes in where I think just think about reading, you know, think about how you're spending your time and what you're spending your time with. And then also think about what kinds of books you want to invest that time in. Cause it takes time and it takes effort to read a book. Some are a lot more effort than others, depending on how good they are. Um, but it takes, you know, it's a commitment, whether it's, a commitment you enjoy or a commitment that you kind of regret by the end of it. Um, so how are you going to, you know, prioritize? There's only so much time in a day in a life, only so much energy. Um, and we have so much at our disposal that it can be overwhelming in the sense that it's, it's almost like paralyzing. Like there's so much choice that you can't make a choice and you're just kind of stuck in this, you know, anxious paralysis. Um, Kierkegaard talks about that, not about books, but just in general. I mean, I, and it's, I've felt that for sure with books, you know, I just, I had a, last week was my birthday and all I asked for were a bunch of different books. So I just got this stack on my dresser now. That's just like, man, what did I get myself into? (laughs) A great Um, place to be. A great place. I'm so excited, but it's like, man, you know, if you, if, if you think about it, it's kind of, it weird and, and it, like like to look at it all and just be like here's you know like a thousand two thousand pages of just a wealth of knowledge that's there at my fingertips but it's so much that it's kind of like oh i don't know how to begin i'll just look at it <laughs> like it's it's um it's an interesting place to be and, and I, I don't have much more to say on that side like sort of well, like, i think this philosophy of where we are so much as just to say right. like like you know, like Augustine heard, you know, pick up and read. 
he had a book in front of him to do that with. If you don't, like find a book, find an old book, read the confessions, read, you know, find a topic you're interested in and just find a book. Some books are better than others. You know, you got to do your research, whatever, but like um, make an effort to dive in, but not blindly. So pick up and read, but think about like, where am I going to be able to benefit the most from by knowing that this is, this book has stood the test of time. You know, it's, it's, it's an ancient book that people are still reading. So I know that it's got something to say that's compelling or, you know, everyone's talking about this book. I should read this to be better aware of what's going on in the world around me. The, you know, those are examples. Uh, What I'm trying to do is give examples of like how to sort of evaluate where to start. Um, right. Because otherwise, you're just left with go to a bookstore, just millions of pages that are all saying, read me, read me, and you have no idea what's worth reading. Um, so to kind of think it through a little bit. And yeah. And like contact a friend. Yeah. Like call a friend, call a pastor, call somebody that you trust. Because like you're saying, it, it can be really overwhelming to, to walk into a library or to walk into a bookstore and to be like, where do I start? Like maybe you have names in your head. So you type in, you know, uh, John Calvin, or you type in, um, you know, JK Rowling or whatever, like you had in your head, you have these authors or books or whatever. But if you don't know, if there's a topic that you want to learn more about, but you don't know where to start, um, consult the people that you trust that are in your life that maybe do know, um, you know, personally for me, it was asking a youth pastor, asking a, a senior pastor or asking a friend. Uh, if you really like, don't know, you can even look up on online, you know, if there's a something like the gospel coalition, like look up gospel coalition book recommendations. You'll find tons of articles about different books and different topics and books they recommend. And Mm. um, you can find yearly, like, you know, what was a good book in 2020 or what's a good book on the atonement? Like there are just, we we do have so much access to so many things to get wisdom, to get insight, to, um, you know, deepen our understanding. And if, finances are an issue. I understand books aren't cheap. You know, you can't necessarily just go out and buy books all the time. Uh, One thing that I've often done is you can go to your local library where it's free to get a library card, or at least it should be. Um, You can ask your librarian, hey, can you guys order these books? They might not always say yes, but like I've had the library order a number of books for me. And then what? You check it out for a month, you read through it, and then you send it back. I mean, you've read that book. You didn't pay anything. Although maybe your tax dollars, I guess. I don't know how libraries are funded, but <laughs> um, but still, like that's that's one way. If you if you really want to read something, um, if it's not at your library already, ask. That's that's how, you know. If if you are interested, chances are somebody else is, and some the the, the library will benefit from uh, from purchasing that book. So yeah, um, that's another way to get access if you don't uh, outside of just going out to purchase it. Right, and another place to start is like lots of publishers have like curated series, you know, that are maybe in a, maybe topical or maybe, you know, geared towards a certain type of book or whatever it may be, you know, like a few examples that came to mind for me that are, you know, if you don't know where to start, but you want to read something that, you know, you know, is valuable stood the test of time, that kind of thing. Um, we've talked a lot about St. Vladimir Seminary Press's popular patristics series. Um, two of the books I got for my birthday are from that series. So, you know, I'm, I'm 
expanding my collection of them and i saw the social justice one in that picture that's yep, a good yep. one yeah i'm excited to, I, i'm excited to, i haven't started it yet but i'm excited to um to, to finally get to that and and uh it's if i mean it's insane that this series like i feel like it's such a treasure hmm. <laughs> like i like i still can't believe that this series exists sometimes because they're you know 20 bucks for like you know, Greek and English Athanasius on the Incarnation just mailed to your door in a nice paperback edition. It's crazy. Um, but also there's a lot of more obscure work. Like I'm reading right now from them a an English translation of a a hymn to the Virgin Mary from the Ethiopian church. What a obscure, you know, to us here in the West, right. relatively obscure work <laughs> and i was able that to get it in my language with no effort you know and so if we're talking theology like the particularly patristic and just you know early church in general um the the tradition um i mean the popular patristic series is is the place to go also um similar at least in theory i think you you i know you have some i haven't actually ever purchased any but um banner of truth press i was just gonna say has that, yeah. the, the puritan paperbacks which is the same kind of idea it you know this later in history paperback accessible well-made um well well you know well bound and everything um well it's interesting this looks this might be true of the popular patristic series from saint vladimir's too but i read recently that it wasn't until banner of truth that a lot of those works were even accessible. Like if you wanted to read Owen or like certain, especially more obscure Puritans, if you wanted to read those guys, you better live near some sort of old archaic, um, you know, college library that had these old, really old English, you know, unabridged versions. But uh, the, the beautiful thing about banner of truth is they're taking a lot of really old and classic, um, you know, 14, 15, 16, 1700s and some, some later, um, but really, focusing on Puritan writers um, and, and making them accessible, right. making them readable and uh, available to, to a wide audience. Yeah, exactly. Um, kind of expanding a little bit. Um, I believe it's, uh, I, I, I should know this. I have a couple, I think it's Oxford university press. Maybe that sounds right. Um, has the Oxford world classics series. Um, I have the, the two, volumes that i own from this series one is uh saint augustine's on christian teaching Hmm. and the other is uh i think it's called like the major works from saint anselm um so like i I just read uh cure deus homo why 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 did god become man um and but it's not just it's not just theology or religion it's 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 world classics you know there's it's Hmm. pretty it's it's a pretty broad series. Um, just again, fairly nice paperback editions of classic works that that are you you I'm sure, you know Google Oxford World Classics and it's just at your fingertips, you know. Um, and then the other one is is Penguin Classics. I'm sure we've all seen the, those books that have kind of like the black spine and like half the front cover is black with the title. And then there's like a painting or, or an image from, the I book. want every single one. I yeah. want the whole collection. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, uh, 
I, I put this in my notes to make sure I said this because um, I, I wanted to like, I like perused through the Penguin website a little bit to see if there was like a tagline for the Penguin Classic series. I didn't find a tagline, but I did find a PDF um, of an annotated list of the complete Penguin Classics collection. Wow. That annotated list is 370 pages long. Not books. 370 pages. The list of Penguin Classics books. It's annotated, so it's not like, you know, boom, boom. You know, there's a little description of all of them. Um, But a a list with a description of of each book is 370 pages. And it's like, that might be overwhelming in itself, (laughs) but there's a series to narrow it down, you know, and they have everything from roman philosophers to 20th century philosophers to to politicians to uh theology East of eden you know confessions Those literature are just a that I have. yeah yeah it, it's an extremely broad series but it's all good stuff within the mm-hmm. respective fields whether it's literature or or theology or science or whatever um and those are just things like 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 i said Different public, you know, I, I, I'm sure I've missed other big ones as well as I'm sure there's a bajillion tiny ones that I don't know of, of just these collections that publishers have put together for us, basically, where it's like, it almost, it just, it just cuts out so much time where it's like, I don't have to track down, you know, a, a bunch of church father books. If I want to read the church fathers, I can, I can start with popular patristics, you know, until I've read all of them. That's a place I can go where it's like, Oh, I want to, you know, what's a, a, an important historic Christian work that I haven't read. I, I have a place to start. What's an important piece of English language writing literature Oh, I have 370 pages <laughs> telling me things to, you know, um, and I thought that that was just a helpful place to start. And it's like, it's almost like a, uh, a seal of authenticity, you know, mm. like when, when I'm in Barnes Noble, when I see that black penguin classic spine, I always look at it. It draws my eye and I'm like, I know this is something good, you know, like it's, it's something significant. Maybe it's not something that I care about. Maybe it's not something I'll be interested in. Um, but this is a book that at least in the abstract is worth my time. Like I know it because I know what, you know, this cover design is, it's telling me like, this is part of the, the, the group that people are working to put these books together and, and to, you know, make them accessible because they are important historically. And, um, in terms of the impact they've had on, on culture and, and learning and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I just thought th- those were, those are just really cool resources that we have. Um, and, and not to be, you know what I find fascinating, course, but there's just so accessible. What? Yeah. Um, I find it really fascinating that Tim Keller, almost every single one of his new books, he publishes with penguin publishing house. Mm. It's not necessarily in the penguin classics like that you're describing, but like if you get one of his new books on the spine is that little orange penguin logo, mm. which is, is for, you know, I, for someone who's writing theologically, that's an interesting publishing house. Yeah. To, I think they're in New York. So maybe it's a, like a, like a local thing kind maybe, of yeah. like a partnership kind of thing. I don't know. But I, I did. I also had a recommendation as well. If you're, if you're somebody who is 
theologically inclined, like if you are somebody who has, you know, read before, or if you're someone who wants a place to start, a really good reading list is actually the Center for Baptist Renewal. Um, this year, they're doing um, basically 12 works from church history, and in each month, they're going through that. So they'll, they'll have like a podcast episode about it. But but basically, you know, throughout the month of March, throughout the month of April, and so on, there's like one theological work from church history. And they, they started, I believe, with, you know, the early first and second century, and then they're working up to more modern, I think, ending in the 1800s, maybe. Um, but if you're looking for a place to start, they they have a list. They have a place where you can access uh, and purchase all the books. Um, but yeah, that's a really good starting place too to work your way through, as we're saying, church history to read widely, um, not just topic, but also um, throughout space and time. Uh, I don't know. I'm guessing we're kind of like starting our descent here out of this episode. Um, <clears throat> something else I wanted to bring up. Uh, in this conversation is even to think about where you do get your books. Um, if you can help it, I always recommend to not buy books on Amazon. Um, if, if you can't help it, or if that's the only place you can find a book, like even I sometimes resort to that. Um, but there are a lot of, you know, whether it's directly from the publisher or it's just a small bookstore um, to support some of those more local and independent places is a really good thing to do, especially because, you know, Amazon already has billions of dollars. Like why not purchase books from somewhere like Westminster Theological Seminary Press or um, from even from the uh, from St. Vladimir's Seminary. So instead of getting those on Amazon, get it at St. Vladimir's on their website. Um, I, I know maybe you won't get the free shipping. Maybe it's still a little bit more expensive, but personally, I think it's worth it to um, to give to a, you know, an organization that probably needs the money more. Um, so that's also a whole different conversation, but it's something that I think is valuable in this conversation. When you think about where you get your books, um, the along, other thing I wanted along that before we, before we move on, I, I yeah. haven't used this site, but I recently learned about it. It's called bookshop.org. Um, it's like an online book, bookshop. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. but you, um, I, I think you can like select local bookstores or, or, yep. you know, small, you know, locally owned bookstores and, and you're, you're purchasing through bookshop.org and, it, you know, shopping online, it's getting mailed to you. Um, but a portion of the, of what, of the sale goes to that bookstore that you've selected yeah. that you want to support. So like, uh, if you know what Amazon smile is, it's kind of like Amazon smile yeah. like where you, it goes to an organization, but instead it's going to an independent bookstore, you know, in your hometown or right. a neighboring community. Yeah. So that's just a good, you know, like I said, I haven't used it yet. Um, so I don't know in terms of like how expansive their selection it's is pretty expansive. Oh. Like, so, so personally I've used it a couple of times cause there's a, a new, a brand new local bookstore in Stoughton where I'm from, um, called itty bitty bookstore. And my wife and I have been, um, supporting them and helping them as they launch. But, um, we've, we've both, you know, if you look up any, you know, usually newer books, but you'll, you'll be able to find some older ones. It's, it's similar to like, if you were to look on, um, like half price books, like they're not going to have everything, but they have a pretty wide selection of the books you might want to find. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's a really good option. Sweet. Um, but the last thing I wanted to mention, as we said, was audiobooks. This is this is more anecdotal. This isn't necessarily a part of this conversation. But I'm curious, Lucas, briefly, I guess, what your take is on audiobooks. Uh, this is something my wife and I were talking about the other day. Like, do audiobooks count towards 
a reading goal? Like if you're not actually reading, is there a difference between like, I read this book versus I heard this book? Um, I, I, I'm not saying that audiobooks are bad. I love audiobooks. I've, I've, you know, I have a few that I've listened to and some that I want to listen to. And um, I'm just curious, like what your take is on that specifically as it would relate to like, if you're going to put it on a reading goal, like for you, if you have a reading goal, do you count an audiobook towards that? I don't listen to audiobooks, um, but that's not a like deliberate, you know, protest against audiobooks or anything. I just, I just don't. Um, so it's not something that I've like had to figure out before in terms of my own just personal thoughts. I think it might depend on the like how much I felt like I actually listened um like podcasts are a good example there are some times right, where right. i put a podcast on and then like 10 minutes go by and i realize that i haven't actually been listening <laughs> yeah usually that's not the case and i feel like i'm listening to a conversation or or a you know lecture or whatever it might you know it kind of feels like that kind of thing um but i i would imagine that with a book if i was thinking about putting it on a list i would need to be like i paid attention and i get it kind of thing right um and for me personally i think it would be easier for the way my brain works i think it would be more difficult to stay focused to an entire audiobook than to stay focused through reading the same entire book but i also say that with the with the you know intention that everybody is different in terms of the way that they uh, the way that they focus, the way that they learn, the way that they uh, retain information, you know, like there is a difference between hearing a book and reading a book. But to say there's a difference isn't to say that one's better than the other, you know? Right. Um, yeah. And I know that's superficial. I mean, like, yeah. it's the, I'm just talking about a, a conversation my wife and I had about yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how to that count things. It's not, but it's, yeah, I, the, the last thing, I guess this is the last thing I want to say is, um, you know, we live in a world where we're inundated with stuff, you know, whether it's TV movies. Um, remember when like streaming services were meant to like help us save money and cut cable. Now there's like 50 streaming services that like have never ending possibilities for what we can watch and what we can, what we can consume. Um, if you have an iPhone and you have the screen time thing that pops up every Sunday showing you, you know, right before church, how much you've consumed in screen time on, on your phone, like, Man, that was always super convicting, especially this is side note, especially when I was a youth pastor, I'd be in Sunday school and like class was just about to start and my phone would go off and it'd be like, on average, you spent six hours a day or wh whatever it was. Um, so, you know, I know for a lot of people, maybe you don't have time to read. Maybe you're a parent who just is always very busy. Like, I hope that you don't hear this episode and, and think that we're like calling you out for not being a reader. We're not we're not even saying everybody has to read. We're just hopefully... Um, giving information to those of you that want to be readers or want to know where to start. Um, but understanding that, you know, life is chaotic, life, life is busy, we all have different circumstances and things going on. Um, but if, if you're like me, somebody who spends four or five or whatever hours a day on a cell phone, and that's not always just, you know, scrolling through Instagram, sometimes it's podcasts playing, or you had your music on while you were at work or something. Uh, but like, especially the time when you're at home, just scrolling through Instagram or Twitter, that is time that for me, I've learned to reorient, to use that time. Um, 
you know, to read things that are more important instead of just those endless Twitter fights, like, you know, go read on the incarnation or go read, um, you know, Calvin's institutes or whatever. Um, so that, that's the last thing I want to say is just, we're not trying to bind your conscience or anything. We're not trying to make you feel bad for not being a reader, but, uh, we, we just, we love books. We want you to love books. Um, and we want you to read good books. So, yeah, for sure. And books are, like I said before, sort of a window to a great many different things that we can be thankful for opportunities to experience and opportunities to learn. Um, so on that note to, to close this, this out, is a, this is a joke, but this is also serious. Books are friends, not food. I know that's like a, a finding Nemo thing, but like, don't, that's something I've had to tell myself is like, consider a book, a friend, not food. So something to converse with or to hold in high esteem as opposed to something to just consume and to have digested. Yeah. It, just think about that for a minute anyway. Yeah. 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 No, that's good. Um, to, to close this out, we're going to pray the general Thanksgiving from the book of common prayer. Almighty God, Father of all mercies, we, thine unworthy servants, do give thee most humble and hearty thanks for all thy goodness and loving kindness to us and to all men. We bless thee for our creation, preservation, and all the blessings of this life, but above all for thine inestimable love and the redemption of the world by our Lord Jesus Christ, for the means of grace, and for the hope of glory. And we beseech thee, give us that due sense of all thy mercies, that our hearts may be unfeignedly thankful and that we may show forth thy praise, not only with our lips, but in our lives, by giving up ourselves to thy service, and by walking before thee in holiness and righteousness all our days, through Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom with thee and the Holy Ghost be all honor and glory, world without end. Amen. Amen. Yeah, I see you dropping that 1662 Book of Common Prayer right in my face. Talk about good books that you can buy. I was going to say, right? IVP? IVP. I, I used to live right next to IVP, man, down in Downers Grove. Um, Get anyway, it. yeah, go go get the the new international sixteen sixty two Book of Common Prayer from IVP. That is our un. That, that we're, they're not a sponsor, so we're not getting paid for that. Anyway, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Doxology Podcast. If you'd like to connect with us, please hit us up on Twitter and or Instagram at Doxology Podcast, or you can email us at doxologypodcast at gmail We always welcome your feedback, questions, episode ideas. Uh, Let us know your favorite books. Let us know your least favorite books. Um, Come to us for book recommendations. I could give you 50 book recommendations right now. Uh, But regardless, whatever, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, uh, we hope that you are doing well, staying healthy. Um, But anyway, peace.